Thank you very much, Holly. In light of the song she sang and our singing, the church's one foundation reminds us that Christ is at work in his body. We may have ups and downs, we may have struggles and sorrows, we may not always respond the way we should, but Christ is building his body. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that in Christ we're members of his body, members of one another. And as we reflect on a passage of Scripture related to the body of Christ and look at some applications comparing to the physical body, we want to be open and sensitive to hearing, living, applying being part of Christ and members of his body. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Stanley Stein was born in 1899. Stanley was a gentle man, a sophisticated man, who toyed with a career in acting before becoming a pharmacist. At the age of 31, he was diagnosed with leprosy and went off to a place in Carville, Louisiana, where he spent the rest of his life. He wrote a very good biography, Alone No Longer. He had founded the Star and was a patient, or a, a patient newspaper that drew subscribers from around the world. And in relation to Stanley, I would pose a question. Would you like to live life on this earth without pain? Whether physically, financially, relationally, emotionally, and mentally. Would you like to live life on this earth without pain? Think about your response. The story of Stanley Stein was shared by Paul Brandt in his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And Paul says, by the time I met him, Stanley had lost all sensory contact with his hands and his feet and had recently gone blind. Scars and ulcers covered his hand and face and feet bearing mute witness to the unintentional abuse of his body that he endured because he lacked the sensation of pain. Paul goes on, Stanley told me that when his eyes first began to dry out as a result of leprosy, he began to seek relief by covering them with wet compresses. He would stand at the sink and let the water run until he had thought it reached a proper temperature. Unfortunately, because he lost all sensation and could not judge a temperature, he sometimes scotted his hands and his face, resulting in scarring and more deformity. Blindness complicated Stanley's life, and more and more he simply, simply stayed in his room. He managed to carry out his responsibilities with the star, having articles read to him, And by using a dictaphone for his own writing, he kept a keen mind. But in time, as the disease progressed, 
he lost his hearing and had no contact with the world. Life without pain is deadly. Leprosy destroys one's ability to feel pain. And because one has no ability to feel pain, they can reach into a fire, they can reach for something hot, or they will tramp on a nail and there is no pain sensation because the body has ceased to function as God designed it. The physical body is used to describe the body of Christ. As we understand the physical body, at least to some extent, we understand in a greater way what God designed the body of Christ to be. The body of Christ is a body. It's not a business. It's not an organization. It's not a team. It's not a company. It's a body. We want to take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for a few moments. Paul is writing to a church that he says is part of the body of Christ. In chapter 1, he calls them saints, you know, holy ones. He is thankful for them. But yet we know that the church in Corinth had some issues and struggles. They were following men. Some followed Peter, some followed Paul, some followed Apollos. So there were divisions in the church. They had tolerated immorality and part of one brother in Christ. There was lawsuits among believers. They were having some issues as far as their marriages. Apparently, they also were having a problem with the Lord's Supper because some of them died and some of them were sick because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. But yet God is at work in his church in Corinth. And he says in chapter 12 and verse 12, the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts. And though though all its parts are many, they form one body. And again, he's talking about the physical body. You ever stop and just step back mentally and think about the physical body, how well it works? The other day I was in the church office and I was getting something out of the cupboard and something slipped out of my hand and never made it to the floor because my hand immediately moved down and caught it before it hit the floor. You know, that we're talking instantaneous type of things that happen. You're walking, as happened to me numerous times when I jog, I hit a little pothole and my rest of my body immediately compensates for it so that I don't break a bone. The body is a unit that is made up of many parts. Though its parts are many, they form one body. And then he says in verse, at the end of that verse, so it is with Christ. What is true of the physical body is true of Christ. Verse 13, 13, for we were all baptized. We were all placed by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. So the spirit of God baptizes us into the body of Christ whether a person's a Jew, a Greek, slave, or free. No, it's not an issue of who the person is, the fact that they came to faith in Christ. Then in verses 14 through 20, Paul emphasizes that they're different members, but they're all needed. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Different members, but needed. He goes on in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with that. The unity of the body emphasized in verses 21 through 26, but also the dependency of the various members of the body. But functioning as a unit, so that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And then he goes on in the balance of the chapter to mention some of the gifts, and then in chapter 13 he moves into the issue of love and how love should be present as the various members live in relationship to one another. As we think about the body of Christ, we think about the physical body. God compares the body of Christ to the physical body. And you will find that God has some very strong things to say about the spiritual body, that is the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11, some people have died because of the way they treated the body of Christ and that they abused the Lord's Supper. The haves and the have-nots were not getting along. The early birds and the latecomers, there were some issues there. And some of them died as a result. So we are members of the body of Christ. And I want to think about the body of Christ based on 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, Colossians chapter 3, contrasting the body of Christ with the world in which we live that has businesses, organizations, teams, and institutions. Nothing wrong with them, but the body is not like them. In the body of Christ, there's lifelong loyalty. It ties in with eternity. In a physical body, your members are loyal to the body till you die unless there's infection and so on. Then there's not loyalty involved. In the body of Christ, we become members of the body of Christ and we're secure in the members of the body of Christ. That stands in contrast 
to a business, an organization, a team, or an institution, as long as it benefits us, as long as it benefits me, and then we can replace when that benefit stops. Think about Penn State football. Penn State won yesterday. Some of you would go, yeah, amen, Leron, right? Didn't win by a lot, but they won. Now suppose next week when they play, the quarterback does a lousy job. And the following week he does a lousy job. More than likely, the next week he might be benched at least for part of the game because he's not benefiting. Think about a business who has employees. And the employees are not performing. What do they do? They let them, they're let go. In the body of Christ, you remember, period. We sang earlier about schisms and so on the body of Christ. That doesn't mean one's not part of the body of Christ. It's lifelong. The body of Christ, there's life, there's living water. There's vitality, and again, that ties in with Christ. He is the head. He gives life. He is the living water. He provides vitality. In a business, an organization, a team, an institution, there's a product, or there may be a service, or there may be some entertainment. There's not a product in the body of Christ. There's life. There's not a service in the body of Christ. There's ministry to one another. In the body of Christ, there's humility. There's dependency. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. There's a humility that says, I need other people. As you think about the physical body, you need your heart. But your heart needs red blood cells. You know, there's a humility within the physical body. God designed it. That we need, the various parts of our body need one another. In the body of Christ, he designed it that there's a dependency upon one another. Try to breathe without any blood. Try to walk with your lungs not cooperating with your legs. Saying, I'm not going to pump you any oxygen. There's a humility. There's a dependency. And the body doesn't think through that. That's the way it's designed. The physical body functions that way. In the body of Christ, God designed us the same way. We're dependent upon one another. We need one another. There's a willingness to admit, I need others. I can't make... This through my joy in the proper way, my struggle in the proper way, my burden in the proper way without a dependency upon others. That stands in contrast to a business, an organization, a team, an institution 
that many times involves pride or performance or maybe a combination of both or something even beyond that. Nothing wrong with a business, organization, team, institution, but the body of Christ is a body. There's humility. There's dependency. How many times are we tempted because the enemy works in the world system in our own sinful nature to go through life thinking, I can live as an island. We go through a difficulty. Well, I'll make it. I won't share. We go through a joy. Well, I'll keep this to myself. I don't want to hurt anyone else. And we rob them of the privilege of a joy. We're making a decision. We let someone know, I'm making a decision, or maybe more than one person know, will you pray for me? Do you have any counsel to offer? Because I don't want to make a decision in isolation. I need counsel from others. The body of Christ is for God's glory. Period. The body of Christ is about God's glory. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about grace that God has extended to the church, and it's for his glory. You take a business, an organization, a team, or an institution. Teams like to win. I don't know very many teams that play just to lose. Maybe you're playing a pickup game, you know, it's just for fun. But generally it's to win or you want to be successful or we're great. Not knocking winning or being successful. But the body is about God's glory. It's not about us. So we think about the body, think about the physical body. I'm amazed at times. And how the physical body is made and how God put it together. But think about the body of Christ. It can take a Jew and a Gentile and bring them together. It can take a black and white and bring them together. It can take a rich and a poor and bring them together in the same body of Christ. It can take one who is technically challenged and one who has all kinds of techno-ability. And they bring together and they can worship together because there's amazement at what God is doing. So in Africa, I could sit by a brother and worship with him. Number one, he's black, I was white. I probably made more money in a week than he would make in a couple years. Never owned a car, and I've owned numerous cars. And I could go on and say many other differences. But I'm amazed that there's a bond. That's the body of Christ. We enjoy that. Whereas a business or an organization or a team or an institution, many times there's demanding and expectations. No business expects those who are employed to perform. An organization wants someone to contribute. A team. They demand and expect something from players. But in the body, we're just amazed at what God is doing. Because it comes back to Him. 
the body of Christ, there is simply being. There is character. There is being. There is character. Not so much what we do, but just being. Being holy, being godly, being dependent upon one another, being dependent upon Christ. Character is developed. There's qualities that you can't necessarily put a finger on, but yet you can see they're evident in life. That stands in contrast to a business or an organization or a team or an institution many times. It's about what we offer. It might be about things. It might be about programs. Again, a contrast between the body and a business, an organization, a team, or an institution. Jerry, if you want to take me to applications, please. Paul has chosen, I'm sorry, Christ has chosen each member of the body to be part of the body. We're members of the body of Christ. And it's not about how great we are. It's not about our status. As we so emphasize in our Western culture, where our worth tends to be determined upon how much we contribute. Airplane airplane pilots, for example, endure rigorous education, testing procedures before they can fly for commercial airlines. Then they're rewarded with a lifestyle and societal respect. Within the corporate world, visible symbols such as office furnishings, bonuses, and salaries announce the worth of any given employee. As a person climbs, he or she will collect a sequence of important-sounding titles. In the military, the chain of command defines a person's worth. One salutes superior officers, gives orders to those of the lower, lower rank, and one's uniform and stripes alert everyone of his or her relative status. Our culture is rated with systems. And if we're not careful, we get clouded within the body of Christ and rate in the same way. How many of us view the sanitation engineer for a sophisticated term or the janitor in a different way than the owner of a company. In human society, a janitor has little status because he is replaceable. The other morning as the garbage truck, I passed the garbage truck and I thought, oh, a guy collecting garbage. And I thought, well, I wonder how long he'll last. You know, he can be replaced. But before we're too hard on a janitor, those that may collect garbage, are you willing to part with your body's janitors? If you are, talk to someone who goes to dialysis three times a week because their body janitors are no longer working. God designed the body as a body, all are needed. 
So it's natural and normal to desire to be with the body, the local body, and body life, sharing the one another's of Scripture, in corporate worship, and experiencing shepherding, guiding, teaching, and so on. The primary expression of love are choices to be with the local body. First John 3 and chapter 4 along with Hebrews chapter 10. Neglect with and you have no body. Physically, if the body parts physically neglect being with the rest of the body, you have no body. In the body of Christ, we neglect with. We don't have a body. When we neglect, for whatever reason, when we're able to be with the body, whether body life, corporate worship, shepherding, it indicates a soul sickness. Because we don't want to be with that which the Spirit of God made us part of. Is there a growing passion just to be with the body of Christ, whether it be in corporate worship, whether it be in body life, whether it be in shepherding? And that can take place in many forms throughout the week. As we desire to be with other believers in whatever form that looks like, it impacts us in our walk with Christ and in our daily life. Can you imagine, for example, that your body is not going to cooperate together? And your white blood cells decide that they're not going to function as part of the body for the next year. We would probably come to your funeral. If the white blood cell says, I'm not part of the body, I don't want to be with the body. Because they're the ones that fight infection. Or just to illustrate the use of the body, do this if you want. Take your small finger, put you know, a piece of board here and wrap it around here so that this finger stays straight all the time. Your pinky stays straight all the time. And see what happens in daily life. How much you would struggle. Again, because the body is not functioning as a body. Because the pinky finger is not now with the body in the way it was designed to be. It's not functioning the way God wanted. In another application, there is a radical difference between body relationships or experience relationships and knowledge relationships. There's a strong inclination to be content with knowledge relationships. That is, we know information, we know facts about others, but we're not experiencing body relationships, which involve being with the body. 
We've been blessed with a tremendous amount of technology today. We know what happened this week in the storms in Puerto Rico and other islands in that part of the world very, very quickly because of technology. But none of that technology enabled you to be with those people in the islands that went through the hurricane. Nothing wrong with technology. But if we're not careful, we may know facts about the body of Christ. We may know facts about other members. But we're not experiencing life with them. So you may get a call this week. And the call says, Joe Pearson fell and broke his leg. He's in the hospital. Pray for him. Good. Pray for him. Pray for Eunice and others in the family. But we don't have that experience. How about going to the hospital and talking to Joe and interacting with him? That's with. See, if we're not careful, we're tempted to have a knowledge relationship, but not a body relationship. Those of you who have been through trials, whether it be physically or relationally, it's one thing to get a call and say, I'm praying for you. It's another thing to get a letter. It's another thing to get a text or something on Facebook. But it's totally different when someone comes and is just with you. And they may sit for an hour or two and they may hold your hand or they may pray with you. That's much different than a knowledge relationship. Nothing wrong with a knowledge relationship. But God designed the body also to be with. That is why years ago when I had my surgery and they took me for surgery before Ruth Ann got there and the First thing I said to her after I was starting to come out being put under something to the effect, honey, you weren't here. Honey, you weren't here. What was I saying? She knew I was having surgery. She knew when I was having surgery. But she wasn't in an experienced relationship. A joy shared is a much greater joy than keeping it to yourself. That's a body relationship. To have someone pray for you at a distance is much different than someone standing beside you and praying with you or sitting beside you and praying with you. It's not that one is not good, the knowledge relationship, but it's radically different from being with. And an example of what happens in Christian community today, and I'm not knocking what is happening, I'm just saying it lacks. We are training shepherds of local churches more and more online rather than being with. I cannot learn online how to be with people. I learned that by going with someone older and being with them, going to a hospital with them, 
we're sitting down and praying with someone who's going through a trial or going to a cemetery, have to be with. I'm not knocking online education for pastors. That's not my point. I'm just saying it lacks. So I remember the first time I had a funeral when I moved into this area. I said to myself, I don't know what to do. Because the funeral was for a teenager who was killed tragically. And I didn't know the family. Didn't know where they were spiritually. And I was called, will you have a funeral? Now, if I had gone with some other pastor and worked through that and walked through that in person, that would have been much, much different. So there's a difference between knowledge and with. And God designed the body. Christ designed the body that we are with one another. Nothing wrong with knowledge, but with. That's the way God designed the body. First Corinthians 12. The body is a unit. The body of Christ is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. Those are parts are many, they form one body. That's the way it is with the body of Christ. Paul Brandt says in his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, I find bones designed most impressively in the tiny gel-like chips of ivory in the foot. 26 bones line up in each foot, about the same number as in each hand. Even when a soccer player subjects these small bones to a cumulative force of over 1,000 tons per foot over the course of a match, his living bones endure the violent stress, maintaining their elasticity. Not all of us leap or kick, but we all walk some 50 6,000 miles or more than two and a half times around the earth in a lifetime. Our body weight is evenly spread out. There are architecturally perfect arches which serve as springs, and the bending of the knees and ankles absorbs stress. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Think about the physical body. Think about the body of Christ. It's a body. It's not a business. It's not an organization. It's not a team. It's not an institution. It's a body. The body of Christ is fearfully and wonderfully made. We need, we're designed for the body. And a couple simple questions as we close. Are you a member of the body of Christ? Have you come to faith in Christ? If not, why not today? If you have come to faith in Christ, as the Spirit of God spoken to you today, as we interacted with God's Word and its applications. My simple question then is, will you respond to how the Spirit of God has worked in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we reflect on the body, the physical body. We grasp that it's fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And we know the parallel to the body of Christ is even beyond that. Because Christ is our head. Your spirit is at work within us. And we know that the enemy, Satan, has worked against the body of Christ for some 2,000 years. But Christ continues to be at work, and we're thankful for that. We want to be open and sensitive and yielded to your work in us, Father, through your Spirit as members of the body of Christ. Thank you, Father, for being faithful, for beginning a work in us individually as families, as local body at Roaring Brook, as the body in Wyoming Valley and worldwide, and continuing that work. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Remember, the power at work in us beyond what we can ask or comprehend. You're dismissed.